invite you to pray this morning. God, as we begin this Bible study, we come here seeking your presence, come here looking for a blessing, and know that can only happen if the Holy Spirit's here. So we pray for the presence of the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts, to touch our minds and to drive us to Jesus. In your name, Amen. I don't like snakes. Grew up in a farm. Snakes have always been a dangerous thing on the farm and something from a small boy I was encouraged to avoid. I remember as a five-year-old boy walking across the paddock, coming home from school one day, and as I walked, uh, and my mother and my father had always warned me about snakes. And I said, when you see a snake, run. And on the farm that I was born into, that I grew up on, there are many of these red belly black snakes. Now red belly blacks, I guess, normally uh, are, are a snake that if they can get hold of you and give you a good bite, it can be very dangerous. And at times the red belly black can be, be very dangerous, uh, especially if you corner one. And I was walking home from school and I wasn't really watching where I was going and I looked ahead of me and about a half a metre in front of me was a snake. And I remember as a little boy letting out a great yell, but I was into the step and it was too late to turn. It was too late to run and I, I kind of did one of those big hop steps for a little boy over the snake. And then I ran and home was about a kilometre and a half away. I ran as fast as I could all the way home. Yes, I don't like snakes. Anyone who knows me will know that I have an aversion to snakes. While I was a small boy living on this farm, we had a beautiful lounge. It was an old lounge, but it was a comfortable lounge. We had it in our house. I was born onto a farm, into a house where there was no power. I can still remember going to bed with the old kerosene lantern. My mother would blow it out and she'd wish me good night. We would have our baths, the hot water would be heated up in a great big copper kettle every day. It was an interesting life. There was no phone, there was no television. We lived in this ramshackle old farmhouse that was over 100 years old. And uh, we had this beautiful antique lounge and every night we would, we would sit on that lounge. It was where we would gather as a family. It's where we'd have worship. It's where we would talk. We'd sing. We'd spend time together. It was a good life. But it was a horrifying thing for us to discover one day that all the time that we had been spending on that lounge, there was a red belly black snake had been living inside it. And one day in front of the whole family, it crawled out in front of us, very aggressive. Well, my father dispatched that snake rather quickly. I don't like snakes. I love it when my New Zealand friends visit me from New Zealand because as much as I don't like snakes and as much as most Australians struggle with snakes, Kiwis are the worst. They are horrified. They are terrified of snakes. I live out at Calliville here in Sydney live over the road from some bush and I remember we had some Kiwi friends out just a few few months ago and they came to stay in our house and I remember terrifying the wife, the lady who had come to visit us with stories of how snakes, I guess it wasn't entirely true, would, would crawl through our house and, and, and through our yard and I think that lady couldn't wait to get back to New Zealand where there was no snakes. Today I want to talk to you about snakes. In fact, I want to take you in the Bible to a story about some snakes and what happened. And in this story about snakes, you are going to find your salvation. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open to Numbers, Numbers chapter 21. We're going to look at this story, a little bit of the background. Children of Israel have been freed by God and Moses. They have left captivity in Egypt. They had been captives. They had been slaves for hundreds of years to the Egyptians. In fact, if you have a look at your, your ancient history, you'll see that it was the Hebrew slaves 
that built many of the pyramids and the great buildings that we now see in ancient Egypt. And they were freed by God and by Moses and it was a miracle and it was a wonderful story how God and Moses freed the children of Israel from slavery. And if you've never read it, go go to the book of Exodus and read it. It's a wonderful, heartwarming story about how God freed his people from a terrible life. And they went out into the desert. They're on their way across to the promised land, to Israel. But to get to Israel, they needed to go through the desert. Now I want to tell you that the children of Israel who had been slaves, had great trouble in adjusting to the reality that God was their king, that God was looking after them, that God would see them through. And here we have a story in the Bible about the faithlessness of these people and how God responded and how God saved them. And in this story, as I've already said, you will find your salvation. Numbers chapter 21 verse 4. The children of Israel travelled from Mount Hor along the route of the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They're impatient for the promised land. They can't wait to reach Israel. And it seemed to them that all they were doing was wandering through the desert. They just weren't getting home. They weren't getting to their destination. They became impatient and the Bible says they start to murmur against God because verse 5 says they spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Now, if you look at the story, this is a ridiculous statement. God brings them up out of Egypt because he's freeing them from slavery. For goodness sake, Israel, can't you see that? They're making this claim, there is no bread, there is no water. There was bread six days a week. Manna would fall from heaven, bread from heaven. God was giving them food, they just didn't like the food. And so rather than acknowledge they didn't like the food, they're saying there is no food, there is no water. You can read the book of Exodus, you can read the book of Numbers, Leviticus. Time after time, God gave the children of Israel as they they were going through the desert water. There was bread, there was water, but they're claiming there wasn't. You see it when they say there is no bread and then they say we detest this miserable food. They're complaining, they're murmuring and if there's one thing God doesn't like from his people, it's complaining, it's murmuring. And I think too often from the people of God we hear complaining and murmuring when there should be no need for it. God has blessed us, especially here in Australia. We are one of the most blessed countries of all countries on the face of the earth. Most people have jobs. Everybody, literally everybody goes to bed in a warm bed, dry from the rain, in a house. It may not be yours, but you go to bed in a house. Most of us, when the world looks at us, are living the lives of millionaires. Now, I don't think, I'm not saying we're millionaires in Australia, but for the poverty-stricken world that we live in, we are living the lives of millionaires. We are blessed. God has been merciful to Australia. And in fact, today I believe that we live, and I've had the blessing to travel to many countries around the world, we live in one of the most blessed countries, if not the most blessed country, on the face of the earth. Yes, God has. God has blessed, praise the Lord, Australia. And yet even so, we like the children of Israel can murmur, we can complain. 
I'm talking to the Christian church now. We've been taken out of slavery. We know what it's like to be enslaved by Satan, to live in darkness, to live in his kingdom with no hope and no peace and no satisfaction in life. We have been freed by the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ from the slavery to sin, from slavery to sin, from slavery to darkness. And yet, and yet, still sometimes we murmur, still sometimes we complain, still sometimes we do the same thing that the children of Israel did so long ago. They're murmuring, they're complaining. And what does God do? Verse 6, Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. This is a hard lesson. These venomous snakes, they're still there in the desert today. They were snakes that when they bit, they would bite hard, it would hurt, the pain would be intense, and it would lead in a matter of hours to death. And these snakes began to slide amongst the tents of the Israelites. The Israelites found them in their food and they were bitten. The Israelites found them in their tents and they were bitten. The Israelites found them in their beds and they were bitten. Everywhere they went, the Israelites were being bitten. These snakes were not biting hundreds. They were biting thousands and thousands of people. And every bite led to death. And people started to die. And this was indeed a very serious attack by these snakes on the children of Israel. In fact, this desert... To this day, it's full of such snakes. And it's interesting to me that as you study this story, you get the real feel, that not that God really sent the snakes, but it was God that was keeping the snakes away. And all God did was withdraw his protection, and the natural event followed, and these snakes came into the camp. And you can imagine the horror, you can imagine the fear, you can imagine the cries as these people desperately sought to avoid to run from these snakes. I'm glad I wasn't there, I think I might have had a nervous breakdown and a heart attack and I probably would have died before a snake had got near me, so afraid I would have been. Verse 6, And the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Oh yeah, they realise their sin now. The protection of God's not there. We have sinned. We realise the error of our way. There's nothing like a little bit of pain and a little heartache and a little misery to help you realise how desperately you do need God in your life. And then they said to Moses, Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses, being the good leader he did, the Bible says, Moses, pray. Now verse 8. God asked Moses to do something very interesting here. Cursory reading of this text, it doesn't make much sense. Let me share it with you. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake... Make a snake, they're being bitten by snakes. And now the Lord God says, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Now this is a bit I I could never get and it took me years to find out the truth of what God is trying to tell us through this story. Make a snake and put it up on a pole and anyone who is bitten can look at it, looks at the snake and live. So Moses made a bronze snake, he put it up on a pole, then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. Now look what happens. It almost doesn't make sense. You've read the text for yourself, you've seen it. God says, get a pole, make a bronze snake, put that snake up on the pole. When anybody looks at it, they will live. So Moses did that and guess what? 
He makes a pole, he puts a snake on it, he lifts it up, and any of the Israelites who had been bitten by the snake looked at it, they lived. They lived. So people have been getting bitten by snakes, people have been healed by looking at the snake. Now I'll tell you why I struggle with this so much. Right through the Bible, from early in Genesis to the last book, Revelation, the Bible, when it's talking about a snake, almost in every instance, the snake symbolises Satan. The snake symbolises the devil. The snake symbolises this arch rebel who has set himself up against God, who is the cause of all sickness, all pain and all suffering in this world. The snake symbolises Satan. Look, let me give you an example. If you turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 12, here's one of the most striking examples in the Bible. Revelation chapter 12, and I'm going to read to you, I'm going to read to you from verse 9. Don't try it. You don't have to understand what the Bible's talking about here. I just want to give you the feeling that, that the Bible, when it's talking about a snake, talks about Satan. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Don't worry about the theology about that. Look at what the Bible calls Satan. It calls him an ancient serpent, a snake. When Satan came to Adam and Eve in the garden, he came in the form of a snake. The Bible always symbolises, well almost always symbolises a snake with Satan. Now let's go back to this story. Because to me it doesn't totally make sense. Numbers chapter 21, children of Israel are going through the desert, they murmur, snakes come into the camp. Yes, what happens when you murmur? The snake, Satan, comes into your life. It is Satan that causes you to murmur, it is Satan that causes you to complain. It is Satan that leads you down this dark road that brings misery to yourself and to others. So it was appropriate that the snakes came into the camp as the people murmured, just as the snake, Satan himself, comes into your heart as you murmur and complain. I believe we should spend our lives trying to be positive, thanking the Lord for his blessings. And when we get negative, unnecessarily negative, we allow darkness into our life. That snake, that ancient serpent of old, he slithers into our hearts. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 21, then the snakes began to bite the people. Not only did they come into the camp, but they began to bite the people. Guess what? When you murmur, when you complain, when you bring darkness into, your, into the room, when you bring darkness into your family, when you bring darkness into your workplace, if you're murmuring, you're complaining, and you're backbiting, guess what happened? Satan bites you. It always hurts. You go down this road, you will experience pain. You'll be unpopular in your family. You'll be unpopular in your church. You'll be unpopular in your workplace. And Satan will continue to bite you. It'll hurt. You can see this symbolic uh, analogy here with this story and what we face today. But it doesn't stop there. The people begin to die. Yeah, you sin. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all going to die with sinners, we are all sinners, we are all open to murmuring, complaining and whinging, to being dark and to bringing other people down with us. That's part of living in the kingdom of darkness and it, you know, it eventually leads to death. And you keep going down that road, the reality is eventually you will die without Jesus Christ and it will be eternal death. Tragedy. So you can see that the the symbology keeps going here. It's making sense. The analogy, it makes sense. 
But then the Lord said, make a snake and put it up on the pole. Who's the snake? Well, it's Satan. Make Satan. Put Satan up on the pole. Look at Satan and you will live. And for years, this did not make sense to me until I discovered in the Bible something. Follow this with me and I hope and I pray as we bring this to a conclusion that this will help you to love Jesus even more. John. John was a disciple of Jesus, the youngest disciple of Jesus. Started following Jesus perhaps when he was 16, 15. Listen to this. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, well you know the story now, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. The Bible says that just as Moses lifted the snake up in the desert and the people looked at the snake and lived, so Jesus would be lifted up. Jesus would be crucified. And if we look at Jesus, we too will live. So here you have a change all of a sudden in the Bible where it's not, the symbol is not the snake, Satan. The symbol is the snake and Jesus. Jesus the snake? How could Jesus be the snake? How How could Jesus be sin? Why, why, why this analogy? Why is Jesus saying, and he's saying this in John 3, 14, 15, why is Jesus saying, I'm the snake? Come with me in the Bible to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at this for yourself in the Bible. This is exciting to me. It's wonderful. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. This is talking about Jesus. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they, and this is talking about his crucifixions, when he's talking about when he was nailed to the cross. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate, and when he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to God who judges justly. And look at this. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. He bore our, our sins, my sins, Lloyd's sins, in his body. He bore them in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for him. By his wounds you have been healed. Do you get it? Jesus not only takes my sins, Jesus not only takes my darkness, But Jesus becomes my sin. Jesus becomes my darkness. Jesus, Hebrews says, Jesus becomes sin for us. Jesus loves you so much. The depth of his love you will never understand. You can turn your back on Jesus. You can walk out the door and never look at Jesus again. It will not change his love for you. He loves you so much that he takes our sin He becomes sin. He becomes the snake. And he dies the death of the snake. He dies the death for your sins so that you can live. This this became clearer to me. I am a father of a little girl who is five years old. Her name is Danae. I remember she was born here in Sydney Adventist Hospital. Great hospital. Uh, wonderful time in our lives. My second daughter, she is. As she began to grow, we noticed that when she ate certain foods, she was allergic to them. In fact, if my little daughter eats peanuts, she can be dead 
She would be dead in three to five minutes. One of these anaphylaxic, I hope I said that right, anaphylaxic kits. So that if she invertedly eats peanuts, I can give her a jab with the needle and we can save her life. It gives her a shot of adrenaline. And we have an anaphylaxic kit in the car. We have an anaphylaxic kit at home. Uh, we have these anaphylaxic kits in places where we can get to them because Danae is allergic to peanuts. She is highly allergic to them. Peanuts will kill her. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is highly allergic to sin. Look what the Bible says, verse 22 of 1 Peter chapter 2. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. He is sinless. He is allergic to sin. But he took my sin. He took your sin. He took the darkness of our lives and he put it on himself. More than that, he became sin. And the sin, while he was on the cross, killed him. Jesus became our snake so that we can live. There is no other God in any other religion on the face of the earth, in the entire universe, like my God, Jesus Christ. My God, the God I serve, he is the only God who claims to be a saviour. Of all the gods that mankind worship here on earth, it was Jesus, and Jesus was the only one who said, I will save the human race from their sin. That you can look at any other religion on the face of the planet. It doesn't offer what Jesus does. He's a saviour, and he said, I'll take your sin, I'll take your sin that is killing you. I will take it upon myself, I will become sin, I will be nailed to a cross, and I will pay the death price. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. You sin, you die. We are all people living to death. We are the living dead, we are sinners, and we are going to die. But Jesus says, I'll take your sin, I'll become the snake, I'll pay the price on the cross. He says, all you've got to do is look to me and live, live, live. And that is the story of Numbers chapter 21. The snake will kill, Satan will kill. Jesus became a snake, Jesus became sin, so that he could save you. And again, as I close, it's simple. I say it almost every week, the sinner's prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, I am a sinner. I give you my sins. I recognise that I need you as a saviour. So save me, Lord Jesus, I pray. In your name, amen. 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 That's the story of the snakes. It's a story of the snake. It's a story of your salvation. May God bless you. Get up.